I know it's been a few weeks, but we are back. It's the Adrian Slade Show. The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Do we really truly understand the depths at which China has influence over the United States and even Western democracies? I'm Adrian Slate. Thanks for tuning in. I think it's a lot bigger than what people realize. And I'm going to bring you first a story that may seem kind of benign to some people that don't understand the relationship of, of Chinese business and international you know, business in general. And then I'm going to give you a, a story that breaks down that relationship. And then maybe we'll talk about the first family. So right now from the Daily Caller, Michigan announced $715 million contract with Chinese communist affiliated party company. And that's uh, Whitmer, isn't it? <clears throat> so a Michigan, this is from the Daily Caller, a Michigan government board approved on Wednesday $715 million in grants and tax exemptions for a battery manufacturer hmm, with deep ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Gotchen, Inc., G-O-T-I-O-N, will use the funds to build an electric vehicle battery manufacturing plant in Big Rapids, the Detroit News reported. Although the company's U.S. subsidiary was incorporated in California back in 2014, Goshen was founded in 2006 in Hefei, China. Goshen is headed up by Zen Li, a member of the Chinese Communist Party, who served three terms on a party committee. That's unbelievable. So, and of course we go back, why is this push for green energy and EVs happening? All these electric vehicle mandates that we're starting to see in California and all these, uh, the Secretary of Defense, or I mean, Secretary of Transportation is telling us that we're going to have to take EVs. The Energy Secretary is telling us we're going to have to take EVs. Who benefits? Well, it looks like a Chinese battery manufacturing company that's going to open up in Michigan does. At least part of the way. The Michigan Strategic Fund, MSF, board's grant will reportedly save Goshen Inc. $540 million over a 30-year period. The company claims that the factory will create 2350 the Michigan State Legislature approved $1 billion in new spending on September 28th, $846 million of which goes to the fund that Goshen will be paid out of. We are thrilled to congratulate the Goshen team on choosing Michigan as their American home for opportunity. Team Michigan continues to out-hustle and out-compete to ensure every global company, considering their future expansion opportunities, can see a future here in our state, just like Goshen does. Quentin Messner Jr., chairman of the MSF board, said in a statement. Lee is the second largest shareholder of Goshen behind only Volkswagen, according to Electrive, and is the, quote, de facto controller of the company. He was a member of the 13th, 14th, and 15th National People's Conference HEFI Committee, a local affiliate of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. CCP and the Chinese government-affiliated entities have invested at length in U.S. corporations and signed major deals in, in at least 40 states, according to Public Citizen. 
Notably, Chinese investors purchased Smithfield Foods, the largest pork processor in the world in 2013. A May report from the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission found that the country may have, quote, undue leverage over U.S. supply chains if purchases continue. Now, here's the other thing they're doing. There's stories of them purchasing land right outside military bases. We know that they're purchasing meat suppliers like they did with Smithfield. We know that they've got amazing control over the universities, which I think that's also part of the magic of the Chinese communist cultural revolution of the United States. I call it the Xi Jinping cultural revolution. If you follow the Chinese cultural revolution of the 50s back with Mao, there's very, sim- there's very similar outcomes in various different areas that were attacked to demoralize and dehumanize the society and the culture so that Mao could rule. I think they're doing that towards the West. And that's one of the reasons why Donald Trump went after TikTok and everybody laughed. Oh, TikTok, what are they dancing in the videos? TikTok is owned by the Chinese Communist Party because to do business with China, as we're about to get into, you have to have a membership with the communist. Somebody has to be on the board. And so what do they do with, you know, TikTok? We see school teachers and we, you know, talking about how they want to talk about transgenderism and and sex with their gay lover to 12 year olds in, in class. We see that they're pushing all types of woke nonsense on these videos and they're bite sized videos. Sometimes they try to do it in a humorous fashion so that a kid, you know, perusing through takes a minute and a half video and thinks it's funny. But then there's a whole hidden message with it. Now, here's the thing. It's not working because I can tell you right now, the kids my son's age who have broken out TikTok have laughed about it (laughs) and mock it relentlessly, even so much to where as we were sitting around with the parents, I overheard one of the kids talking with, you know, making jokes with my kid saying, oh, but TikTok is a communist uh, company. And I had to laugh. I'm like, he's 100% right. And he wasn't doing it in a you know, a mocking sort of way. He was doing it to kind of, you know, show how ridiculous TikTok is and why people on there are ridiculous. But anyways, back to the article, Chinese firms also control large portions of the electric vehicle supply of of batteries, you know, the supply chains for the batteries. The country produced 79% of all lithium ion batteries in 2021 and holds cobalt contracts in places like the Dominican Republic of Congo. Have you seen the video of them mining for cobalt in the Dominican Republic of Congo? Freaking slave labor. They're paying them $12 a day. These kids, they don't even have, they barely have clothes on. They're going out and they're having to pull all this uh, cobalt that they're using with all this water that's now not going to be potable. It's not going to be drinkable. They're destroying water supplies for this stuff. You go back to my podcast where we break down the green energy lies and we talk about this, but China has them. And here's even better. China also entered into negotiations with the Taliban in 2021 over Afghanistan's mineral wealth as expected to begin developing copper mines. Hmm. What happened in Afghanistan in uh, 2021? Oh, we pulled out. Yeah, we pulled out in spectacular fashion just months after, uh, Corn pop leg hair was uh, inaugurated. And we did it in such a way that we 
left all of our equipment behind. We pulled out the military first and left our civilians over there along with our allies to be slaughtered by the Taliban, only for China to come in and take control. You don't tell me that Chinese influence on the first family isn't happening. You don't tell me. You, you can't tell me that China doesn't influence our politics in general. I mean, Whitmer is bringing them to Michigan. They're all over the place. I know Elaine Chow, you know, Mitch McConnell's wife has dealings with China. It's on both sides of the aisle. That's why this midterm coming up is very crucial because we have to beat this mercilessly. It has to be curb stomped. We have to destroy it by bringing in people like J.D. Vance, Blake Shelton, you know, these individuals that we've commissioned to go into the House and Senate. Jen Kiggins here in, in Virginia's second district up against Elaine Loria, who is jumping all over the January 6th committee. All of this has to happen quickly, and we can't waver. Now, on the other side of this break, I'm going to get into the culture of Chinese business with an article that really kind of exemplifies it. I've always known this because that's what we studied in international business back in the day. But this kind of breaks it down. And it's funny because they try to pitch it as a good thing, this relationship. What really, when you know it's Communist Party China, it's a bad thing. So stick with us. We'll get into that on the other side of the break. This is Adrian Slade. Before we get into the relationship of China and private business, which will basically shed light on all the craziness that's been going on with COVID lockdowns and 15 days to flatten the curve and all of these diversity inclusion uh, boardroom meetings and ESG scores, you know, uh, social credit scores on lending. All of that is Chinese based. But before we get into that relationship foundation, there's a podcast that I think I might do on the next one. Uh, the topic is something that I just saw, and I'm trying to get my head wrapped around it, but I've got one or two takes on this. But basically, the U.S. government's new export controls, this is from uh, John Schneider or Jordan Schneider on Twitter, the U.S. government's new export controls are wreaking havoc on China's semiconductor chip industry. New rules around U.S. persons are driving an industry-wide decapitation. So basically, they basically said that Biden has forced all Americans working in China to pick between quitting their jobs and losing American citizenship. Every American executive and engineer working in China's semiconductor manufacturing industry resigned, paralyzing Chinese manufacturing overnight. One round of Biden san uh, sanctions from the Biden administration did more than all four years of performative sanctioning under Donald Trump. Although American semiconductor exporters had to apply for licenses during the Trump years, licenses were typically approved within a month. With the new Biden sanctions, all American suppliers of IP blocks, components, and services departed overnight, thus cutting off service to China. Long story short, every advance uh, advanced node semiconductor company is currently facing comprehensive supply cutoff resignations from all American staff and immediate operations paralysis. This is what annihilation looks like. China's semiconductor manufacturing industry was reduced to zero overnight, complete collapse, no chance for survival. So the gist of what they're saying in the articles I've been reading and researching is that 
well, America doesn't want China to have the be manufacturing these semiconductors and you know these chips, which we're needing in vehicles and everything else, and they could use them in military tech and AI and different things. So we want to go ahead and cut that off and uh, sanction them. The way they rolled it out made it seem like it was out of the blue, like he made this split decision. But really, when you look at the regulations that were written up, it was thoroughly vetted, run through the Department of Commerce, Department of Defense, all these different departments. And it was very well worded, very specific. They took some time to do this. They didn't give anybody a warning and then they just hit them with it. But really, what's the other possibility? Well, the other possibility is who who in the semiconductor chip industry, what country makes a good chunk of that? Taiwan. And so what, we lo- what we're looking at here is just like Nancy Pelosi went over to talk to the Taiwanese government so that it would piss China off, just like we decided, hey, look, let's go ahead and do what Donald Trump said and get out of Afghanistan. And then at the same time, we can be done with this 10-year war. Oh, what did we do? We left citizens behind, pulled the troops out, allowed it to collapse, and then gave it over to China and the Taliban. Um, so, yeah. We've been trying to provoke these wars. We provoked the Ukrainian war, believe it or not. When you go back and look through Obama administration and and the Hillary Clinton State Department that went under John Kerry eventually, they ousted the Ukrainian leader, put in Poroshenko. Poroshenko was, you know, succeeded by Zelensky. But both of them basically shut off the indirect relationship that Putin had with Ukraine, that he could use their ports and allow them to do what they do. Putin looked at it as though his back was up against the wall because we helped oust him and decided, oh, Biden's in office now. I'm going to take it. And so now we're pushing Taiwan to be taken by China because China will be in a real uh, they'll be in some mushu pork for not having the ability to make their own semiconductors. But the relationship of American executives and these aren't just American workers, there's high up executives that are being forced to make this decision on citizenship or staying with a Chinese firm. We need to look into this relationship between American businesses and China and why opening a new market uh, is not really in our best interest, although we thought it was. We thought we can bring democracy through capitalism. They looked at it and leveraged their new market share and the, the need for us to include them in ownership of the business to weaponize it against us in a blackmail situation. So let's give you a little insight into China and how they interact with private business. This is actually uh, an article that I ran across. It's pretty interesting. Listen to this. In early 2020, as the pandemic pushed it to the verge of bankruptcy, China's highest profile rival to Tesla Inc. was shunned by the venture capital funds and foreign investors that had powered it to rise. So NASDAQ listed NIO Inc., Turned to China's new class of venture capitalist, communist officials. The municipal government of Hefei, which we talked about earlier, a city in eastern China pledged 5 billion won, which is 787 million, to acquire a 17% stake in NIO Inc.'s core business. The company moved key executives from Shanghai to the city, which is less than half the size and 300 miles inland, and began producing more vehicles there. The central government and uh, Hefei's province, which is Anoy, I guess that's how you pronounce it, joined the city making smaller investments. 
It might make the it might look like the kind of power grab some observers see as characteristics of President Xi Jinping's China, an assertive state enforcing an ever growing list of dictates on innovative private companies that are destined to discourage entrepreneurship. But that story didn't play out that way. NIO Inc. turned its first profit in early 2021 and sold more than 90,000 vehicles by the end of the year. Rather than leveraging its stake to assert control, the Hafai government took advantage of NIO Inc.'s booming share price to cash out most of its stake within a year of its purchase, making a return of up to 5.5% or 5.5 times its investment, much like a private investor in London or New York might have done. Quote, from our investment in NIO Inc., we ruthlessly made money. While Ayuba, uh, I guess that's how you say their name. I, I don't know these Chinese names. The top communist official in the city said at a televised event in June that saw him seated on a podium dressed in a business suit and a purple tie with entrepreneurs, including NIO Inc.'s founder, William Lee, seated below. Quote, making money for the government is not an embarrassment. It's making money for the people, he added. FI has pioneered a shift in Chinese capitalism over the recent years in which the local governments are increasingly taking minority stakes in private companies. Since the 1950s, FI has been the hub of scientific research, but today its shrewd investments have transformed it to a relative backwater to a bustling metropolis of about 5 million people. In terms of economic growth, what Chinese media have called the Hefai model appears to work. In the decade of 2020, Hefai was China's fastest growing city in terms of gross domestic product. China's local government controls land sales, receives profits from state-owned companies, and has close ties with state-owned banks. For decades, they have supported private company, companies by offering them cheap land and other subsidies, tax breaks, and loans to encourage investment. Can we not say the Biden administration? Can we not say private-public partnerships? Can we not say cronyism? That's what that is. I mean, we're going to offer land. We're going to give subsidies. We're going to cut back regulations for you, but not for other companies. We're going to give you tax breaks. You want to uh, buy an EV? You know, you want to get an electric vehicle? We'll give you all these tax breaks, even though they're not even that sustainable. We've got... Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm out there talking about the Inflation Reduction Act going, well, you know what? We will get inflation under reins if we weatherize our homes. What? I, I, how does that do anything with inflation? But you got to weatherize your home. Right? So it's subsidies. It's government prodding, government picking and choosing winners. Back to the article, that's helped local officials largely judged on the basis of economic performance to win promotion from the ruling Communist Party. More recently, that model has been updated for an era that depends on technology investment and innovation for growth. As China's economy slows and Beijing tries to rein in debt, cash-rich governments and state-owned companies have emerged as, quote, white knights rescuing troubled private companies. In many cases, local governments are taking a passive approach to these investments with a growing number of stakes taken through funds instead of through direct holdings. Today, Hefai invests in dozens of companies that are working on semiconductors. <clears throat> Remember that? Quantum computing and artificial intelligence. 
Those industries are at the center of the Communist Party's plans to double the size of China's economy by 2035, likely overtaking the U.S. along the way. The Hafei model and other cities' efforts to replicate it will be crucial in determining if that ambition is realized. Hafei made its first winning bet on BOE Technology Group Company, an electronic display maker founded, uh, founded in 1993. When BOE was in trouble after the 2008 financial crisis, the city canceled plans for its first subway line and instead plowed billions of yuan into the company on condition that it will build a local plant. BOE built a state-of-the-art liquid crystal display screen plant by 2011. Hefei owned an 18% stake. The city voted with management on key decisions to, according to company filings. So the city agreed to vote with management on key decisions. Okay. Over the following years, Hefei continued to invest in BOE, helping it build new plants and extracting profits. The company bought tens of thousands of jobs to Hefei and anchors a display industry manufacturing cluster that makes products worth more than 100 billion won annually, including for foreign companies such as Corning Inc. In 2021, BOE overtook South Korea's Samsung Electronics Company as the world's top manufacturer of LCD screens used in flat screens, helping end China's dependence on foreign suppliers. Academics have only recently been able to quantify how this model is transforming China's economy. Researchers at the University of Chicago, Xingyua University in Beijing, and the Chinese University of Hong Kong analyzed every registered company in China, more than 37 million of them. They found that those companies are ultimately owned by 62 million private individuals, essentially the complete list of China's capitalists, as well as about 40,000 state agencies from the central government down to cities and even villages. Companies owned by state agencies, most of the local government level, have been increasing their partnerships with private companies. The average state stakeholder now invests in companies owned by almost 16 private owners from up from eight a decade ago. As a result, China's biggest entrepreneurs are more connected with the state. Now, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, he's actually going up against BlackRock because BlackRock is in this situation with a lot of these other companies. Basically, the, the mindset is China has a market that's untouched. Communist China has either stolen technology and sold it to their company in new ways. So the Facebook of China is not Facebook. It's some ripoff or they're clamoring for whatever can be given to them. So if you adhere to communist China and do what communist China requires to operate in their country, which is basically allow them to own shares of your company, well, then you get to operate within their market. And that's an untouched market. That's as, just as big as India. I mean, that's like going to a brand new United States and saying, hey, I want to sell a new product to you. Well, that's why Mark Zuckerberg is out there meeting with Xi Jinping saying he wants to name his first child after him. That's why you have Apple's Tim Cook out there just, you know, licking the rusty sheriff's badge of Xi Jinping, you know, tickling his taint because he knows it's a market he can go into. Jeff Bezos, all of these people, they're looking at this from a market, an international market stance. They don't care about the United States. They don't care about capitalism. They care about minimizing risk and government control 
government subsidies, government backing, government safety net is what they're what they desire. And so hedge fund managers like you know Larry Fink from BlackRock, they want to adhere to what China demands because China is going to let them operate there. But then at the same time, they're going to turn around and say, well, all these American companies now have to kowtow to China's demands to operate in the global economy. And so people like Vivek Ramaswamy are out there talking about how ESG, environmental, social, and governance scores that they decide are like credit scores, whether or not they're going to give you loans or not based off of your environmental score and your social governance score and your, you know, inclusivity and your, your CRT, they're, they're going to determine whether or not you should get money for capital to build your business based off of whether or not you follow these leftist and socialist ideas. He breaks it down in this clip and sums up exactly the whole model. So look, I think we are now in the worst of all worlds where you could have a principled position where someone like Jeff or anyone else might say that companies should engage on all social issues, including those in China. I would say that companies should not engage on any social issues and should focus on making great products and services for their customers. But right now, the worst of all worlds is when companies obsess over microscopic social issues here at home without saying a peep in China. And Andrew, what that does is that it creates companies as the new class of the international arbiters of moral justice. And when those companies repeatedly critique the U.S. without saying a peep about China, that creates a false moral equivalence between the U.S. and China, creating this idea that China is actually no worse than the United States in its actions. And you can mark my words, the 300 plus companies that ceremoniously cut their ties with Russia when Vladimir Putin made his move on Ukraine will not say a word to condemn China as Xi Jinping goes for Taiwan. And I believe this weekend's milestone starts the clock on when he might do that. And this is, I think, all part of China's long run plan. And that is how you get to the otherwise farcical world in which U.S. companies like Chevron have to adopt emissions caps while PetroChina does not. Or while U.S. companies like Apple are forced to obsess about racial equity. So now that we've established that China is and has been infiltrating through the United States, whether it's in local governments uh, or state governments or universities or international businesses that have homes in the United States, let's see what would happen if a president's son worked for a company that had close ties to China. What would that do? Would that cause us to pull out of Afghanistan early? Would that cause us to eliminate fossil fuels for electric vehicles? Because China's, China's got four or five of the top 10 companies making electric vehicles. Would that cause us to stunt our economic growth and our energy independence so that while we're making windmills and solar panels, China's making coal fire plants on the day. Um, what happens if Chuck Grassley gets information that solidifies what we've always thought about Biden and China and 10% for the big guy? So Chuck Grassley, not really the stalwart of conservatism, <laughs> but he demanded that the FBI and the Department of Justice give Congress an unredacted brief tracing the steps agencies have taken to probe Hunter Biden's 
potentially criminal business ventures. So in a letter to an attorney general, Merrick Garland, this is from The Federalist by Tristan Justice, uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray and Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss grassly outlined the evidence against the Biden family leveraging the White House and its connections for personal profit from overseas adversaries. Quote, since May 31st, 2022, I have written three letters to the Department of Justice and the FBI based on protected whistleblower disclosures that indicate a pattern and practice of political decisions being made at the FBI's Washington field office and FBI headquarters, Grassley wrote. In my response, my office has received a significant number of protected communications from highly credible whistleblowers, which have increased since my initial outreach to your offices. In July, Grassley's office published a whistleblower report revealing double standards within the FBI and the DOJ related to investigations into Biden's contact, uh, conduct compared to that of former President Trump, Washington Field Office Assistant Special Agent in Charge Timothy Thiembault, and Director of Elections, Election Crimes Branch Richard Pilger. Whistleblowers allege coordinated to amplify defamatory information against Trump while giving cover to Hunter Biden, dismissing intelligence about the current president's family's uh, disinformation. Quote, multiple FBI whistleblowers, including those in senior positions, Grassley's office explained, are raising the alarm about tampering by senior FBI and Justice Department officials in politically sensitive investigations ranging from election and campaign finance probes across multiple election cycles. Three months later, Grassley is demanding an end to the agency's continued silence and calling them to give Congress and the American people an update on the federal investigations into misconduct that jeopardizes national security. Notably, the Justice Department and the FBI have not disputed the accuracy of the allegations that I made public since May 31st, 2022, Grassley wrote in a letter Thursday. Simply put, enough is enough. The Justice Department and the FBI must come clean to Congress and the American people with respect to the steps they have taken or failed to take relating to Hunter Biden's investigation. In August, another whistleblower report emerged from Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson, who needs to be reelected, by the way. Uh, his office alleging FBI agents actively sought to dismiss incriminating evidence against the Biden family amid the 2020 election. Multiple whistleblowers, according to Johnson's office, intentionally undermined efforts to investigate Hunter Biden. Two days later, Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg admitted Facebook colluded with the FBI to suppress stories surrounding the Biden family business ventures as Americans cast ballots on October 2020. So we know right there that uh, that Grassley is well aware of the dealings with Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, Chris Hines, who is John Kerry's stepson. And we know that this information was known by the FBI and they're not doing anything. They're sitting on it. And so we get to another story that Grassley was involved with, that Chuck Grassley is saying that the FBI is in possession of information indicating that the Biden family began doing work on behalf of a Chinese government front company while Joe Biden was vice president. Grassley further claims compensation for this work was intentionally delayed until Biden was out of office after which the company paid the Bidens approximately $6 million, a percentage of what was slated to go on to then-former vice president as he planned his 2020 presidential run. 
So Grassley and Senator Ron Johnson have for years been investigating allegations that the Biden family monetized Joe Biden's political influence, concentrating particularly on the family's relationship with the Chinese company. Grassley made his latest allegations in a letter to the Attorney General Merrick Garland, FBI Director Christopher Wray, and like I said earlier, Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss. Um, And this was all from the Washington Examiner. So it dovetails with that Federalist piece that I read earlier. The Grassley letter makes much of Tony Bobulinski, the former naval intelligence officer and businessman who was recruited by the president's son and brother Hunter and Jim Biden, along with some close associates to build the structure of a partnership between the Bidens and the CEFC, a corporate conglomerate that was, in essence, an arm of the regime of Xi Jinping and the Communist Chinese Party. Bobulinski, who has alleged that the Bidens cheated him out of money, owed to him from the CEFC venture, came forward in October 2020, just weeks before the presidential election. He claims that he had more than once one face-to-face meeting with Joe Biden about the deal. And there is also a documentary corroboration found on Hunter Biden's laptop showing what the split was anticipated to be on the Biden end of the deal. 10% of the share for the big guy. Bobulinski confirms what the context strongly implies, that the big guy is Joe Biden, whose name Bobulinski was admonished to avoid discussing in connection with the transaction. So the Bidens, Jim Biden, Hunter Biden, involved with Chinese dealings, which we've spoken earlier, China has to have a communist representative within the business that they can influence the business any which way they want. What's to say that all these things that are happening right now, Afghanistan pullout that benefits China, the EV push and the destruction of energy, fossil fuel, which is, you know, renewable, renewable goo, oil, uh, the, the, the push to eliminate that in favor of EVs, electric vehicles, which China benefits the most from that, solar farms and solar power. China benefits the most from that. Wind turbines, China benefits the most from that. This is a shifting of power away from Saudi Arabia and energy independence of the United States to China, to communist China. And the Communist Party has just re-elected Xi Jinping for a third term, possibly putting him there forever as they took his uh, opponent and eh, shoved him out the freaking door, as dictators like to do, consolidate their power, which... The Biden administration has been doing with January 6th protesters locked up in jail. How deep does China go, though? I mean, we know Dianne Feinstein had a Chinese spy as a driver. Eric Swalwell was banging a Chinese spy, Fang Fang. We know that Bill Clinton's second run, his reelection, his campaign for reelection, was completely funded by the Chinese government. He sold nuclear secrets from Los Alamos. He had, uh, what's his name, uh, Mr. Wu on his Uh, or Wong, I can't remember the guy's name, but basically everyone was wondering where Bill Clinton got all this money and was able to campaign as early as he did to beat out Bob Dole. Well, that was 1996. That was after, uh, I think it was around the time of the Monica Lewinsky affair, and he goes to re-election. Ah, oddly enough, China benefits the most, again. So Chinese influence in our universities, uh, in our uh, institutions, the Chinese influence in Hollywood. They can't make certain movies. You know, they wanted Tom Cruise to pull the Taiwanese uh, flag patch off, but he put it back on. 
You've got all these uh, movies that Disney's making, the, the, the red panda talking about menstruation, and it's basically a red Chinese panda. Uh, all of the influence that China has on America shows that we are living through the Xi Jinping Cultural Revolution of America. If you look at Mao's Cultural Revolution, you will follow it, and it looks identical. Transgenderism being pushed, depravity being pushed, crime, criminals being let go free. Uh, attorney general's offices compromised with people looking the other way and Soros and them are also involved. And so we really need to look on a bigger scale as to, are we being, are we being attacked from the inside by China? I'd like to say yes, but any business that is looking the other way and is canceling Americans for things that are liberty minded, things that are freedom based, because it goes in the face of what the Chinese government would like, all because these companies want that access to that new Chinese market. They're un-American businesses. They're un-American individuals. They are non-patriotic, and they should be canceled by you, the consumer. But we really need to take a look at the fact that what, what's happening in Michigan, uh, it's all a part of a bigger scheme for China to basically buy the destruction of America. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Check it out. I know it's been a while. I've been away for a couple of weeks, but I want to thank you for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Put a five-star review. You can call to be on the show, 1929-GO-GO-USA. You can listen to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart. You, uh, you can also donate to the show, anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade slash support. And uh, thank you for being a part of the continuation of this podcast. Until next time, we'll see you guys.